Chris Williams is an educator, a storyteller, and workshop leader. He has worked for the Portland Public School District for the past 10 years and has recently started to facilitate anti-racist workshops for the organization Engaged to Change. He is a published writer and produces a storytelling slash community building event called Front Porch Sessions. He is also one third of the international award-winning improv group Broke Gravy, who recently performed at TEDx Portland. He currently sits on the board of OKU, a Portland nonprofit that focuses on making a more creative and empowered experience for youth when it comes to fear and worry. All right, well, you know me. I'll just say whatever pops to my head, possibly get canceled in the... <laughs> but then be like, ah, okay. You don't care. People will forgive me in the end. Right, okay. Like, I truly don't care. So the first I wanted to get to yeah. was the TEDx event. Because I heard oh, so many things and I, I, you know, I only didn't watch it live because you told me you were getting like 12 minutes. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck that. I don't, you know, yeah. I, I want to see you guys. And I felt like you were getting kind of screwed over on time. Yeah. So I didn't want yeah. to super yeah. support it. But at the same time, I wanted to support <laughs> it and watch you guys. So, yeah. uh, so how did it go? I mean, what's your, your take on things now that it's done? Kyle, that's a very complex question. <laughs> <laughs> um... TEDx Portland, so to be clear, TEDx Portland, great performers, you know, like Dickable Planets was there, was able to spend some time with um, Ishmael, um, who was, he lives up in Seattle, I didn't know that, he's real great, real real thoughtful dude, um, I was vibing with him, and as we were just talking about, like, I don't vibe with dudes that much. But I definitely vibe with him. There's like just amazing people in town. Like I think Jordan Dinwiddie might be her name. She works for Wyden and Kennedy. She gave probably my favorite, um, what is it called? Talk. <laughs> Talk. <laughs> uh, which was about the difference between fandom and fanatics. I thought it was really, really um, well done. And it touched on a lot of different topics. But like the whole like misogyny and sexist part of it i thought was really great like especially if you're a female gamer or into cosplay or yeah i was gonna ask was this in a specific mm-hmm. environment or was yeah it just comic in... books and yeah. all of that was what sure. um she was talking about and i just thought that was so great and she's low she's local she lives here and then this dr eric tran was like curing cancer using the bodies um i mean i'm not a scientist so i'm about to sound real dumb <laughs> <laughs> the body's like own immune system uh-huh. t-cells and all of that whatever's going on there <laughs> you doctors in the audience are like uh but um so the speakers are really solid and then so it's just me and eric yeah i was um, i was gonna ask leon didn't yeah wasn't leon there. um got sick oh, last minute last damn. couple of days so he couldn't perform which yeah. really sucked yeah because we had put in over a year yeah you know, and like in 48 hours, that all went away for him. So I can only imagine that sucks. But Eric and I, you know, moved forward. And honestly, our performance was so fun. And the audience was really into it. And it felt great. Good. So we had a really good performance. I enjoyed <laughs> the speakers. And the performers at TEDx, to keep it real, because that's what I do, I don't think 
that I was treated well at all or that Eric was treated well at all by, not by the TEDx team, not even close. A lot of folks behind the scenes were great, but kind of like the, the main person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at all, to the point where I wrote a letter and I included some folks on the board on that letter about kind of my feelings and my takeaway because it was such a, and it just sucks because it was such a combination of ego, which we all have, right? Just big ego, um, maybe not being a great producer, director of what's going on, did not understand what improv was. Like, didn't understand what improv was, okay? You had a while to figure it out, but... You had a year to You had over a year it. to figure it out. Maybe look. We're on YouTube. Right. Check it out. Uh, didn't know what improv was. And, you know, our, our sound check was problematic. And there's a lot of things that happened. There's a way that he talked to me. And this was a white man. And, you know, I'm a 46-year-old black dude. And the days of, like white people talking to me in any kind of way, but especially like a white dude talking to me in any kind of way are done. Um, especially since I've started facilitating like anti-racist workshops, which has been great, really great for me on top of my work with Portland public schools, but like just kind of changing the way that I deal with things. And I'm a very patient person, mm -hmm. right? But like, yeah, you don't talk to me any kind of way like that. And I, I think a lot of the choices that were made were centered around kind of like not kind of we're centered around whiteness and white privilege and white supremacy and you had all of these speakers so many great speakers and they weren't all speakers of color but there was a lot of speakers of color it felt like a really diverse racially diverse tedx portland right and all anyone is talking about with tedx portland is you know this woman who's running for i didn't even know who she was i thought she was a geologist i'm gonna keep it real <laughs> I'm just thinking it's not like I know politics and all that. Like, I had no idea who this woman was. But they started out talking about, like, a volcano. Mount St. Helens or whatever. So I was like, oh, who's this old, who's this old geologist? <laughs> Interesting that you're doing an interview with this old geologist. I was just like, I don't know. Because they weren't on the list, right? It was like a surprise. Oh, right. It was a surprise. Right. Yeah. So Betsy Johnson, I don't know you. But after doing some research, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Interesting to do that at this venue, to bring in politics in that way, in this time, after all the shootings, after all the debate about guns, you bring in Betsy Johnson. Pro. And you adore her. And you talk about her audaciousness. And you just centered the hell out of her. So you have this, <laughs> you have this event that is celebrating. It is, it was like celebrating folks of color. Like there were so many great speakers of color. And there were some other like uh, cool white folks saying some stuff that I was like, that's cool, whatever, man. Like there's a dude with a mask on. I forget his name. I think he's famous actually. <laughs> but like his whole thing is like, you do, I wear a mask and I do poetry. I was like, okay, you do you. Atticus, that was his name. Like you do you. And then like. I mean, you'll see the video because they'll release it, but like, dude is like going into the virtual world maybe and the idea of like 
I'm butchering what his message was, but it was it was like fame, unknown fame, being unknown and still mm. famous. By wearing using, a mask, so yeah. you don't know who's. Yeah, true. yeah, yeah. Okay, and using cool. that fame to yeah. do like to make the world a better place. Little whatever. Daft punk thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Atticus, you do you. I wasn't hating on that at yeah. all. Another one was talking about miscarriages, which I thought was so important. Reagan something, lawyer. Yeah, I thought her talk was like really powerful. I thought all the talks were great. It's the production and the treatment that I didn't like. And I'm just like not going to stay quiet on that anymore. And I find it ironic that with what I think was one of the most diverse Portland TEDx's. I don't know why I pluralized that, but you centered this white conservative woman. That's all anyone is talking about. Right. So I was like, there were so many things that confirmed how I felt because a lot of things that happen, especially with people of color, is you experience this like aggression. Fuck microaggressions because they're aggressions. You experience this feeling and you're like, oh, my God, is this happening because I'm you feeling the blame. Right. And you have already gone through all of the and this is like. If you're a white person and you have uh, friends that are not white, listen up. <laughs> if someone is sharing with you like an experience that they had, it's like, oh my God, this stuff happened. And you offer up an, inter an alternative possibility and just shut up. Just listen to what they're saying. You don't have to offer up an alternative to anything because they've already done that. And I did that. I was like, oh, I guess it could have been this, could have been that. And then the whitest of white men, our boy, Kyle Stebbins, <laughs> said to me, yo, the way that you got talked to, that wasn't cool. And I was like, okay, all right, confirmation, right? And I already felt it. But like when you're feeling something and then it's like, you know, Nebraska white tells you like, yo, that wasn't cool. <laughs> I'm like, Nebraska white was saying like, yo, there was some whiteness up in there, yo. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And the funny thing is, Kyle, when he came at me, when this dude, I'm not even going to say his name, whatever, research, anyone who's listening again, <laughs> when he came up to Eric and I, when we were doing our sound check, he was saying all this stuff, and he's sternly like, hey, you're moving too much. This is what he said. I wrote this in the letter. I don't give a fuck. It's like, you're moving too much. You can't move that much. I was like, and I'm fully mic'd. Right? I'm fully mic because it's the sound check, mm -hmm. tech run. Kyle, when I tell you that I was like, yo, if I wasn't fully mic'd, I would check you about about the level of your voice, how you're coming at me, like I'm your son. I think I'm older than this dude. Oh, it took everything. I was like, woosa, woosa, woosa. And then he just kept going, uh, you're going to make these cameras are highly sensitive. And I, whatever. He was like, you can't move. And homeboy said, and he kept saying this throughout the year. This is what I was like. You don't know what their problem is. You need to have 60% um, in the can. Memorize. Bro. I don't need this to be an improv talk, although I'm sure we'll get it to improv. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. The basics of improv are that it's on the fly. It's not memorized. It's not a script. This man said, y'all need to have 60% scripted. We would just look at each other and then we would always say, like, this is throughout the year of preparing. It's improv. It's improv. 
it's improv. And he would just kind of be like, yeah, but you know, it needs to be scripted. Okay, bro. But it's improv and that's not what it is. Right? right. That's like, <laughs> that's like running the 200 meters and being like 150 of that needs to be a backstroke. <laughs> okay, bro. Like just 150 meters of that is a backstroke, but the last 50 you can run on the track. Oh, you don't know uh, what track and field is. Dude didn't know what improv is, which is insulting. Yeah. Don't don't act like you're doing us a favor. Look at me talking shit. You got me talking shit. I'm on this thing talking shit. I don't even care because it's just so real. I'm tired. And you know why stuff like this continues to happen? Because people are quiet or they're like, ooh, I might get in trouble or they need something. Right? They need something from... The person, the community, the group, the organization that did this harm. Are there things that I could get probably from being a TEDx performer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I need the one, sleep at night. Two, I'm Danny Glover too old for this shit. <laughs> and three, I have a niece and I have a nephew and you got a model. You got to model for people. And when you add in race, which I look at my life through a racial lens, duh. It's just like, hell no, I'm not being quiet. Absolutely not. So I guess whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. TEDx Portland. I don't know. Well, you're not going to show our video. I, I don't even know you can do that because that would be weird. And by the way, again, when I tell you we destroyed, we destroyed. I'm sure. We destroyed. I'm sure. We had that audience. Every time. On it. Yeah. It felt great. And again, I, I wish Leon could have been there. It felt great despite that dude. Whack, man. Ego's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Speaking from someone who has a big one. <laughs> right? But I keep that shit in check. I'm always reflecting on it. And you know, think about it now, man. Maybe that's why we... <sighs> Maybe my ego is also why I don't vibe with dudes because it's reflected back on me kind of what's inside of me. You know, that ego stuff, because I don't like it. And dudes tend to be the ones with dudes the Dudes tend to be ego, right? Yeah. Like, I bet if you run through all of the podcasts that you've done so far, whatever, and like me, if I was doing a podcast, I would have way more women or identifying females on here than men because I just... Dudes get on my nerves. So when I like a dude, I'm like, ooh, I got to lean into that. Because it's so rare that I like a guy and feel like I can be friends with a guy. Right? Um, but if you run this back, I bet if you really listen to the differences, in, and I'm including myself in this, you'll be like, oh, man, dudes are just the way they talk about themselves. And <laughs> it's just like. You know? That's going to be an interesting experiment yeah. going forward is just seeing the difference between how they present themselves. Yeah, right? Yeah. I bet Kiri was just great. Yeah, oh yeah. Right? Just so wonderful. Yeah. Then you got asshole Chris up on here. <laughs> Who's, I mean, whatever the other dude you had on here, I guarantee you he's a prick. You're right? <laughs> he, he describes himself as the nicest asshole you'll ever There you go. There yeah. you go. We're just, man, we're just like con conditioned. And this is not an excuse making, but like we suck. In general, we really, really tend to suck. And that sucks. That sucks. Mm -hmm. I think if I... Do you want children? No. <laughs> that was a quick... That was a quick no. <laughs> yeah. 
I would say, again, 46. I still don't know, but probably, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say probably not going to happen. I have no idea. But I do know that I think my, okay, so my dad accidentally raised, like, I'm trying to be a feminist. I don't want, like, to describe myself as a feminist because I have so much work to do. But I think he accidentally raised, like, a very conscious son. One of them, me. I also have an older brother. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he is what he is. He's fine. My brother's fine. But, like, I just, I, I think I'm, like, a natural observer and I see things differently. And what people don't understand about me, I think, and you tell me, you know me i'm so much more sensitive than i appear yes but at the same time i am like go fuck yourself right <laughs> yes. and i don't give a fuck yeah those two you those can those two things can be i can be very sensitive and like i don't like seeing people in pain i really don't but then there's that part of me that's like fuck yourself yo fuck you i don't care yeah yeah i don't know i think i don't know if i've ever told you the story about early not to bring it back to improv but of course you know yeah. we know each other yeah, from yeah, now, yeah. so we have to early days of my improv i took level one with marilyn and then i had oh, marilyn oh uh, yeah miss her great yeah same yeah. finished her class and then it was time for first level two mm-hmm. and i had the choice between you and somebody else i was teaching level two you were teaching level two did i treat it like a level two so <laughs> i didn't get into your class oh. because people the word around was chris is a dick oh Wait, so they wanted to take my class because I was a dick? No, they didn't want to. It was like, oh, well, not necessarily, sense. but people, that was just kind of the word was like, God, he's kind of a dick as a teacher. I'm and, not, I'm not arguing with that. And, and I was so afraid of it. I hadn't, I hadn't met you. I hadn't seen you yet. <laughs> I knew nothing about you, but I was like, I'm too fragile at this point to have a teacher that's going to like call me out and be direct with me or whatever. Yeah. And so then you ended up actually subbing into that class for a oh, couple of sessions. Oh, okay. Okay. Was you I a were, dick? You were fantastic. Okay. You were, and then I, I never got a chance to take another class from you yeah. because either you, I stopped teaching at Brody or you yeah. just never lined up. Yeah. But I was like, damn it. I wish I had had Chris for a full <laughs> class. But so it is like, I can, I can say that as somebody who's experienced the like knowing you as, yeah. as the very nice person that you yeah. are, that you were a fantastic, caring, good teacher you just have an edge to you <laughs> and it's a it's not a bad thing <laughs> i take teaching and coaching of improv serious which is really funny right because when it comes down to it improv is fucking stupid improvisers are fucking stupid right <laughs> yeah but improv is also so fun so freeing and everybody should take classes because it will make you better at whatever it is you want to do i truly believe that right I truly believe that. I love that the rumor going around town was that I'm a dick. Because that's a Portland dick is just someone who's like um, straight up. Yep. Right? And doesn't sugarcoat and will be like, hey, you could do this. Is someone who critiques. That's that's what a Portland asshole is. But that said, in improv, in those beginning levels, you do need people who are not like me. If you want folks to continue improv, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, two things can be possible. I should never teach an intro, our beginners, ever. But you could. I could. Yeah. 
But you, you would have to take that edge off a little I bit. I would have to take that edge off, and we can get into this later. <laughs> I feel I'm 46 going on 78. I just, I, it's hard for me to change myself in certain situations. You know what I mean? Like, that's where that whole TEDx letter comes from. Because it's hard for me to swallow a shit sandwich anymore, the older I get. Never like the taste of a shit sandwich. And it's just like, I can't do it anymore. What does that have to do with teaching beginning improv? It's just like... Anyone who ever has seen improv knows that one of the worst things in the world of a creative or a, a performer is bad improv. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the most painful things ever. But you have to be bad in order to be good. Right? I don't have the patience i could teach it i don't want to teach it ever i don't ever want to teach level two i could sub in level two and what you're saying is i definitely didn't i definitely didn't do anything with her um plans i probably didn't even look at them i probably just did my own thing which i'm not saying that's good but like it is what it is i'm just gonna teach you all like basics of improv how i see it that's the other thing right improv is so different i'm sure we had carry on here She's, you know, her version of improv and what she likes, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like organic anything in improv, right? People love that shit. People love an organic start. It makes me want to throw up. <laughs> Watching it. people find their way. I hate stage. it. Yeah. But when it's done right, it's so fucking cool. And I've been in those moments. I hate organic improv. I love dramatic improv. I comedy isn't i don't i would rather do serious scenes forever hmm. right i know surprise yeah, i'm looking not, at your face yeah I, that's how i started in la with like because my acting teacher was like you know what you should do to loosen up because i would always stop in the middle of a scene because I'm, I'm horrible at memorizing but i'm also like beat myself up about it being real I would always stop and be like that cliche. It just doesn't feel real, Scotty. That's the <laughs> yeah. name of my teacher. Like, Scotty, it doesn't feel real. <laughs> like, who the fuck do I think I am? But improv did something and loosened that up. But we did, I can't remember what they were called. I want to say mods instead of a herald. I okay, think yes. they, they called it mods yes. or something. But it was just like serious. The emotion of it. And it was great. You don't have the anchor of a of a laugh, trying to get a laugh, which is the death now to any scene. I'm gonna try to be funny, right? And I try, I try to tell everybody that. Just don't try to be funny, don't worry about being funny. Just do the scene and the funny comes, naturally, always, right? Um, but there's something about doing a quote unquote dramatic, dramatic improvisation that I just vibe on. And people have no idea, like, I saw your face when I said it. You were like, what? I I missed that and I haven't done it in years. Yeah. Years, right? I would love to see Broke Gravy, my improv group, have to do... <laughs> I would love to watch Eric and Leon have to do like a, just a dramatic 45-minute <laughs> set. Oh, my God. That would be so... It would be funny. It would actually be funny, mm -hmm. I think, right? Um Anyways, I don't even know what we were talking about, but yeah, I could never teach a beginning class. And that's why um, Marilyn, rest her soul, was so amazing because she kept people coming back for the next level. Yep. I would not. People would never come back. 
Yo, I broke someone down. I broke these two dudes down <laughs> in improv, and I wasn't even trying to. And I'm sure everyone listening to this is like, who the fuck is this asshole? My name is Chris Williams. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not actually an asshole. He's really not. But here's the thing. One, in improv, when I'm coaching, you start to see our teaching. It's like dudes think they are just what is up. And usually the women are so much funnier, so much more talented, but it's really hard for them to get on that stage and perform, isn't it? Not hard like, oh, they're scared. I'm yeah. saying it's hard for someone to be like, hey, do you want to get on stage and perform? How many mediocre ass dudes get on that stage so fast? Isn't that whack? Mm -hmm. In this town in particular. White man confidence. Just fucking a white dude crossing the street. You ever seen a white man cross right. the street, Kyle? Yep. You motherfuckers cross that street. You don't even look, bro. You don't even look. It's just like, I gotta get to that other side. <laughs> and you walk. <laughs> I'm like, God damn. Yeah. You know how I many white men I almost hit? Driving my car. It's a CRV, everybody. 2022 CRV. Oh, you got a new Hybrid. car. Hybrid. I did get a new car. Nice. I had to. Oh, you. your other one got it. No, no, no. I just uh, sold it. Oh, okay. Talking about that Kia 2014, everybody. <laughs> Kia Soul. Because <laughs> I was going back and forth to Ben. Oh, yeah. And that car wasn't going to make it up that mountain, down that mountain. So I got a new car. Nice. But anyways, that confidence is impressive. Of like, I know car. I know this is a street. I know cars come. They will stop for me, though. Right? Yep. I've never crossed the street like that. It's like, look both ways. Still wait, even when a car stops, creep out there a little bit, like, okay, motherfucker, I see you. Do you see me? Right? And then, then go. But yeah, transferring that to improv, mediocre. Mediocre. Like, it feels like you have to be so good as a woman to get on that stage. And it's just like, so when I'm coaching and teaching and I see that, you, uh, there, yeah. I, I try to shut that shit down with real with quickness. And I shut it down by asking questions. Simple questions. What were you going for? No, that didn't I didn't understand that at all, right? Um and humor. So maybe that's where my reputation I mean, I don't know if I still have a reputation as being No, no, not at all. I <laughs> I only <laughs> heard that around know. that time. Yeah. That was really the only time I heard that. There's never been a no, Chris is Sure. You're loved by everybody. Well, that's not true, but <laughs> you know what? If you're loved by everybody, mm. you're not something's wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, people respect you is a better way to put it. That 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 feels good. Okay. And I respect a lot I respect a lot of people around improv. Especially the long timers. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've said Kiri's name like eight times. Mm -hmm. But right? Yeah. Respect her. She's done. She does a lot, and she's really, really good. I don't think Carrie gets enough, um, like cred for everything that she does and everything that um, she's skilled at. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Fucking improv, Kyle. So, <laughs> you ended up having to do improv at TEDx, and it sounded like you thought you were doing something not improv related. But I thought you, as we, you were planning. I thought we were speakers. I thought we were going to speak, even yeah. though we were there as performers. Yeah. I just assumed that it was TEDx, right? I assumed that it was so professional 
and so done that we had to like raise our bar. So we were like, we would meet and be like, oh, we, I guess we could weave this storytelling into this and what improv yeah. is. Because you're a storyteller yeah, anyway. So storytelling, I would take storytelling over any other art form, period. Yeah. Right? Like, I am not an actor. I do not act. I am not good at acting. But storytelling, storytelling is like where I feel at home in developing a story and helping people develop stories. I'm just good at it. It feels good. I have a talent in it, and I can see it in a way that I think is helpful to folks, and that feels good to me. Um, what was your question? <laughs> so you were. It sounded like when we talked, you were originally planning on yeah. doing something. So different. we, the three of us, Leon, Eric, and myself, we were like, we got to figure this out, and it's like fifteen minutes of talking, and then, and we were like, God, do we do any improv? We didn't think we'd have time, and then maybe three months ago. All of a sudden, we realize after talking to this chump, this dude, chump. I don't know if chump. You know, remind me where we are because okay. I'm going to sidetrack that. The more I open myself up to the world and doing this anti-racist facilitation and just listening to people. And there was a woman at TEDx who basically was developing this app to let you know if you're about to commit a microaggression, which I think is great. And what I'm finding is, the reason I'm talking about this because I said chump, and now I'm hearing words in a way where I'm like, God, I don't know the origin of that word. Mm -hmm. And words are so powerful. And like when you start looking into the origin of words, you're like, God damn. That comes from whatever, like that comes from lynching. Mm-hmm. That comes from whatever type of racism that I was, you're just like, what? I heard jaywalking the other day is a, I have no idea. It has an origin in probably, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, and some people would roll their eyes and be like, uh, who cares? That's not what it means now. But I would say to that, I, it is important. I think we're having the problems that we're having right now because we're literally trying to act like the past isn't the past and history is not important, right? Uh, don't teach my my uh, eight-year-old, my child about that. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Calm down. What are you so scared of? I, I don't know. I, I can't go into it, but anyways, it, it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating for me. Um, but anyway, so when I said chump, I was like... Doesn't chump sound like I said it oh. so many times? So like maybe someone who knows. I'm gonna like, have to go back and censor every instance of it. But it just sounds like one of those words. Like, ooh, where's that from? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it short for? It's gotta be short for something. Chump. Yeah, where could again? That have said come it from? again. But like, that's what I grew up in, like an area in Michigan, and when I would go to Detroit, and even my dad, you know, people would say like in the '80s, they would say chump. Like, who is this chump? Right? Like attitude. And I, I loved it. I love the word, but man, maybe I should research this word that I love. Who knows? I hope it's clean. But if it's not, I'll, I'll stop using it. I'm one of those. This is a learning experience. It, yeah. I'm one of those people. I'm not. Learning moment. My line in the sand is not, I should be able to say uh, whatever I want to say, right? Like pronouns. Why am I going to? It's like, dude, fuck off. Relax. Just. Treat people the way they want to be treated and refer to them how they want to be referred to. Is that hard for you? In this country? Yes. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's, it's completely putting them out of their way to do something small for somebody else. We are weak. We've shown that, especially in the past two years, as a people, as a nation. If you want to defeat the United States of America, all you have to do is um, force us to wear a mask and we will lose our minds. That's how you defeat us. So We suck. Yeah. I guess whoever's out there to like defeat us, <laughs> figure out how to get us to wear more masks, force us to, and we will yeah. crumble. We will crumble. And basically civil war too yep. over masks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, weak, 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 weak. It's disgusting. It is. It is not fun. Anyways. Yeah. So you were uh, you were going to do talks, storytelling, and were you going to kind of reflect on or, yeah. or talk about the stuff that you're doing, yeah. you know, the, the work you're doing? Yeah, we were yeah. going to like weave in storytelling, obviously, a little social justice, what it's yeah. like being three black dudes in improv, which is a mo- mostly white male um, art form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say there are a lot of females in Portland, more than other places that I've seen. Anyways, um, we were going to talk about all of that and then like two or three months left. Eric and Leon had a meeting that I couldn't make with this person. And when they were done, they were like, yo, we're like performing. It's just a straight performance. And I was like, oh, but in the end, it actually made it easier. Because it was a lot easier just to perform, which is what we do. Right. Then to come up with 15 minutes of an engaging talk. So, yeah, it worked out in the end. That portion of it worked out in the end. Good. But the taste in my mouth over the experience yeah. and leading up to it was just, uh, it was just whack. But the gift I got from it was understanding that, oh, I can produce a larger scare, scale <laughs> scale show. I can definitely produce a larger scale show. I take care of the quote unquote talent. I connect with them as much as I can. I'm always checking in to see, hey, what's going on? And I'm good at it. And I would, I would be mortified if anyone ever left uh, a front porch sessions or whatever it was feeling like I felt about my experience leading up to that TEDx. I would be like, holy shit. I, I got some work to do. You and feel I, like you I'm failed. I'm sorry. I feel like I failed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Never, ever, ever, no. ever would I treat people that I asked to help me put on this thing that I love to do. That way. What is the plan with front porch sessions? Oh, front- well, no, let me trigger it too. <laughs> what is the plan with front porch sessions? Yeah, FPS. The plan is I'm hoping to get it back up. It's an LLC now. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, I make no money, but it's an LLC just because it made sense. Yeah. And then um, Paris helped me out with the website, which is. Did you, I mean, have you seen my new website? No, I don't think so. I haven't looked at Did it. Did you ever look at my old website? I'm sure I have. Oh, yeah, it was bad. I do remember it. Yeah, it was just, like, bad. It's basic. And what Paris did was make me look like I'm a professional and I know what I'm doing. And I'll be forever thankful for her. I mean, I paid her, obviously, but at a deep discount. Because she's Paris and hooked me up. Um, And it's amazing. It's an amazing website. And I've gotten hits off it. But what I'm doing mostly are, like, workshops storytelling workshops i have a workshop in hood river next week actually um with this like female collective of entrepreneurs and they're trying to figure out trying to hone their story of their business and who they are and who they and what they do 
So I'm going to do like a storytelling workshop with cool. all of them. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but up in here in Portland, I want to do a larger front porch sessions because I think if I can get the right venue, work with the storytellers, whoever they are, I think if people could experience it on a larger scale, I'm telling you, I honestly believe that they would be like, where the fuck has this been? Holy shit. It is one of the most. I think I was at the very first one. You and were into a couple after, and you to were. see it grow and what it is yeah. is just anybody who ever gets the opportunity to go to and thank you to one of these should be at one of these. Yeah, I have pictures of you and uh, curls. I think yeah. curls was still mm-hmm. with you, and, uh, which is so funny. Not to get into it, and feel free to edit this out if you want to. <laughs> That's right. Curls, who I'm calling curls, is uh, an ex of yours. Uh-huh. Looks so much like an ex of mine from behind with the hair yeah. like down to the hair and even the height yeah that every time every once in a while i'll go through pictures and i see it i'm always like oh what was and then i'm like oh my god that's that's kyle's ex yeah. i always think it's mine <laughs> i always think it's mine that's it weird. trips me out yeah. still to this day um mine Mine, like I own my ex <laughs> what, what is yeah. wrong with it? language language everybody yeah anyways yeah so that's Anyways, a little side note. It is, I'm going to say this because it is funny. I do feel like, even though I know it's a podcast, I do feel like I am talking too much. It's funny. But that's See? what we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's your job. I'm putting it's, it on It's you. the job. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. What has been happening with FPS in terms of like venues? Where have you been? I haven't been to one in a little while. but I haven't had one in a little while. Yeah, I guess you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on the board of this nonprofit Um create more fear less and i'm hoping to do one for them to get people to learn about the organization but also like yeah it's a front porch session and because it's all about building community right like people are literally talking to strangers it's a storytelling show we just listen to three storytellers but at the end of their stories they ask the audience a question and then the audience will group up with people they don't know and you will like answer the question as a group and you purposely are supposed to be in a group of folks that you do not know and you got to be a little bit vulnerable right but i think what it creates is this freedom because at least for me let me speak more when i'm around people i don't know it's the difference between you know when you're in a class with your friends and you like okay these are my friends they know me i'm gonna i have to I have to or I'm choosing to act a certain way. But when you're in a classroom and you don't know anyone, there is a freedom of like, oh, I can like, I don't have this role. I can just be who I am. And I think that's what what that offers with the front porch session in those groups of strangers. And you get to know and learn a, a new perspective. And I think there's one baby that was born uh, as a result of people meeting really that's awesome and i tell everyone i'm like if that's all that ever comes from front porch sessions i'm cool i'm cool with that because um that's cool it's such a fast way to connect with the folks that you don't know um and it gets you out of your comfort zone i think in a really good way it's a community building event Mm -hmm. yeah so if i ever do one again which i hope i do and people are listening to this <laughs> and you are invited and it's all about you know it's not a money-making thing at all um 
and I I've started to get sponsors the last time, which has been cool. And that's just all about making sure that um, the storytellers get paid. I think in this town in particular, it's really important to pay people for their time and their effort that they're putting in, especially if it's a show that you're producing, like regardless of the amount, like give them something. And I say that as someone, and I think you might be the same way. I say that as someone who, when I'm on the other side of it, I'm always like, I don't need anything. I'm yep, good. Totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's the thought, the, yeah. the effort that they put forth to be like, no, you're appreciated. Yeah. Your time is appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. So. It's funny that your thing, what's the name of this? Are, are we, we still friends? friends? It's funny you call it Are We Still Friends? Because I'm like, I thought about that. Not Are We Still Friends? But I thought about friendship in general. And I take my friendships very serious. Um, and I'm friends with a lot of people that I went to high school with. Not so much college, which is weird a few in college and then when I lived in Korea still have friends from there and I'm like oh I have I have a lot of friends I take friendship seriously but Portland's been different and I'm trying to figure out what that is most of my friends in this city are women now most of my friends are women in general was that not true before Portland well that's the thing I think most of my friends are women in general but I yeah. did have more uh, dude friends and I'm trying to figure out what it is about Portland where just like my female friendship has just increased so much. Is it like the Portland quote unquote male that I, I just, just gonna say, is don't? Is it that Portland men are that bad? I just don't vibe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to improv a little bit, sure. right? We're a divided community if we're keeping it real. Like everyone has their little groups, which is just life in general right but like you have your improv crew who i really enjoy i enjoy all of those people um yelena tolan mariah right i'm i know i'm forgetting people but like i like all of them and then there's like but there's like some third from certain theaters like people have formed little coalitions or whatever you want to call it totally natural i don't think we intermix as much as other cities improv folks do though and that makes me sad because i wish we did and then you have like some people like me who I think I just don't go out that much. I would love to have people over, but there's a part of me that's like, no one would come. There's a fear, if I'm being honest, like a little fear about like, who's going to come to your house? They're going to be like, Chris is having people over what? But anyways, I used to go out. I'm telling you this because I used to go out. I used to hang out with improv folks after sets or whatever. And then one day I just kind of looked around and I remember hearing like jokes and, you know, when you're hanging out with improv or comedy people, it's like one-upping. Right? And it was just like... <laughs> and I look around and I'm feeling real different. And not just because I'm black, right? Usually if I'm going to see another black person, it's Eric... Or Leon when it comes to improv. Yeah. And it's not just because I'm black. So I'm like making note of that. I'm like, what the fuck? What is it? Why do I feel so like out of place here? And it, the answer was because I am. I just don't have, I didn't feel like I had much in common with people. And I think some people took that as either Chris is a dick or Chris doesn't like to hang out. I like to hang out. I just like to hang out and feel comfortable. Right? Emily, my partner, she can hang out with anyone. 
that's not me. I can't do that. She can talk to anyone. I'm a slow burn. I need relationship. I got to get to know you. I got to have like some trust. And I also am about being real. And the Portland Improv community has some folks, had and has some folks in it where I'm like, okay, uh, I can't fucking stand you. And like, you're popular. And which is fine. And I'm not here to blow up a spot. But I can't, I also don't want to go to this thing and have to listen or watch you hold court when I know who you are because I see you. And that's the problem I think with also being sensitive is you see people. Like I see people and I can, (laughs) yo, I can scout a predator. And I mean predator in any way. I can scout a predator like that. That's like my talent. And I'm not I'm not genderizing that. I can mm. scout a predator. Like, yo, just in like a few minutes, you're no like you're no good. You're pretending. You're a predator. Okay. And some people just can't. And I used to get really frustrated about that and then like a little bit on a high horse, but now I'm just like, okay, whatever, but I don't want to be around that. And like some of my friends are just, they just don't see people in the way that like I see people and then people start sharing things with you about what this person said, what this person did. And then you're like, how the fuck is this person still like just out and about chilling? And everyone's like, oh, so-and-so is great. And then you're like, not really, but you know, we're all adults. People make their choices. It is what it is. But again, I can't eat shit sandwiches anymore. So I don't, and I also don't want to bum people out. So I don't want to be the person at the party, right? Yeah. Who's listening to fucking Johnny McFun over there doing his thing. And then Johnny McFun all just like starts talking to me publicly. Nobody wants that. Because I'm going to be like, hey, Johnny McFun, go fuck yourself, bro. Don't talk to me like we're cool. And then I'm calling someone out. Right. So it's like, why am I going to show up? Why am I going to do that? Yeah. Johnny McFun has their friends and they're doing their thing and that's good. And, you know, in the end, I think people find out who people are, right? That's why the whole movement, these movements of like <sighs> realism, like I was, like, was going to talk about me too. And I was like, <laughs> how can I frame this in a way where it makes sense? But it's like, you get... A lot of times, people have gotten away with, and in particular, men have gotten away with so much shit, right? Just like the police have gotten away with so much shit. So the whole like, oh, oh, I can't, not all, not all police, not all men. It's like, yeah, no shit, but like, uh, you've kind of had to just really pay for your, your sins, your quote unquote sins for what, a year now? Two years now, and you're crumbling? Mm -hmm. It's too much. It's too much? Because you can't fucking harm people to the degree that you used to? Get away with shit to the degree that you used to? Shut the fuck up. But as a dude, I'm also like, oh, thank God. Thank God that I, like, was raised in a way where I don't have, like, those, like, Big time skeletons are like some fucked up shit. 
that you used to do or even you were unaware of that you were doing, right? I'm just like, oh my God. Because, because I have a really supportive, strong, smart, like, group of women that I've grown up with that have helped raise me to a degree, like, raise my consciousness and all of that and would call me out. You know what I mean? Like, that's so important. And I think for dudes, a lot of that fear and all, not all men, bullshit kind of talk comes from, <laughs> I'm laughing, it's not funny, but it comes from fear. Because motherfuckers aren't sure. Goddamn. Have I done some fucked up shit, right? And like, that's real. That's real. So I think most dudes who are like a dude's dude avoid female friendships because we've been taught to think that you can't be friends with quote unquote the opposite sex which is so stupid that's how i started out though in preschool one of my best friends to this day is dana my friend dana and um again another badass friend since kindergarten maybe preschool but definitely kindergarten right um just sent her a text the other day like we chat i'm hoping she can come out this summer and hang out emily's matter Leon's met her. I think Leon stayed with her in Louisville when he was traveling, right? Like, she's salt of the earth, wonderful person, and a good friend. But we sexualize. We're taught to sexualize everything, every situation, everyone, right? Especially dudes. We're taught to sexualize women like crazy. I am, and that's in me, keeping it real, right? Like, so... Yeah, people think you can't be, you can't just be friends with someone of the quote-unquote opposite sex. And it's like, that's so dumb. And you're also missing out. And also, you know, the other thing, you know, two things can be true. Sometimes you're like, oh yeah, my friend's hot. I'm really attracted to my friend. Or I can tell that my friend is an attractive person. So the funny thing about like Dana is like, Everybody's always like, because Dana's like 6'1", <laughs> athlete. Like, sure, she's good looking. To me, she's just fucking Dana, right? And that's how I am with the majority of my friends. Like, I'm not dumb. I know when I, like, for me, like, attraction is individual. But, like, I know when someone is, like, attractive to a lot of people, right? So I, I can be friends with a woman and be like, yeah, she's attractive. But it's, it doesn't mean anything to me. Because we're friends. Right. You they can be I mean? attractive and you don't have to be yeah. necessarily attracted to. Yes. That, that's a great that's a great way of putting it. And I think that's like troublesome for some people. They don't understand it. And the older you get, the worse it gets. So Kyle, if you're planning on remaining, I'm assuming you're single. I'm just, I don't want to get in your business, Kyle. But <laughs> if you're planning on remaining like me, like it's weird. Like you can be single, but still have a partner, I guess, or whatever they call it. Not married, unmarried. And you continue to have a lot of female friends. And then if some of those female friends are single, man, people are going to get in your business like crazy. Even though we're not supposed to say crazy anymore. <laughs> people are going to get in your shit. Oh, what's going on? Yep. Are you just hanging out? It's like, yeah. Literally, we're just hanging out. What the fuck? Yeah. It's so frustrating. Right? And that, that did start for me. I talked to Curie about this a little bit because she, oh, okay. she kind of brought up the same thing. She was like... 
people were asking her what was going on with her and I. Oh, okay. Even just coming over to do the podcast. Somebody oh. was like, so what's going on there with that? And she was like, Jesus, why does it have to be a thing? We're friends. We're doing a podcast yeah. session. But I, you know, you're talking about being raised that way. Yeah. That was every adult in my life from a young age was any time I was interacting with a, a girl, it was like, what's going on there? Is yeah. that your girlfriend? Right? That, that kind of thing. And it, and it finally got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't need these friends because yeah. I don't need that weird. So I sort of like cut myself off from being friends with any, any girls. Because oh, wow. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. It feels yeah. weird. And also just, it felt like I was being told I was doing the wrong thing. Like, oh. You know, that you can't be friends. You you can't just do that. So in a way, you're doing something wrong. And also, why are you bothering? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And so not until I, be, you know, became an adult was I like, oh, I've been missing out on these really important friendships. Yeah. And, yeah. And now I'm sort of like tipped the other way completely. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah, what we do to young people, as yes. someone who works with young people, is like, but luckily they're, I think they're like, realizing that we're a bunch of fakes, and like, totally heteronormative, and how we're like, trying to address everything, and they're just like, yo, that's your generation, like, this is how we're rocking it, either get on board, or shut the fuck up, but like, Greatest generation, cool, like respect, but like also things change and I get it. Like things do change. And luckily working with young people in schools has helped me. I think it's helped me. I don't want to say the word like adjust, like I've had a problem with it, but it really does like it keeps me fresh in a way that I really, really appreciate. Keeps me honest. Um, I, when I fall on my face, right? Like I literally have come back and I've I've misgendered uh, uh, students and they're so kind to me, you know? Like, oh, you gentle idiot. Like, and I'm like, what? They're like, don't you know? I'm like, oh my God, yes, thank you. Like I don't get fucking defensive. And I also don't feel shame about it either because that's not going to help anything. But I'm just like, thank you. I reflect on that and I was like, okay, yes. Of course. I'm sorry. And then move on. Um, and that's just kind of how that this upcoming group of people like do do their thing. And I know like quote unquote cancel culture is a real big topic right now. But like my experience, these kids are fucking generous, patient. To a point, as they should, right? Because, and everything should be to a point. It's like, look, motherfucker, I've told you 20 times, right? How I want you to refer to me. At some point, it's on you. So I'm done showing you grace. And I'm like, hell yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's a, that's a message to whoever's doing that to lean into what's going on with you. What the fuck? Why have they had to tell you 20 fucking times? Mm-hmm. Right? You're not putting any effort. You're not putting point. any effort. Yeah. And where's that coming from? Right. And you're probably going to discover some real uncomfortable truths, right? Mm-hmm. As we all, as we all have, right? We all have those blocks or like the things that we're working on. Um, 
I don't need to share all of those with you here. <laughs> but I say that to say we all have them. We all have them. So yeah. Yeah. Did you and Kiri talk about cribbage? A uh, little bit. Okay. Did you play? Yo, have we not had this conversation? No. I love cribbage. Really? Spades and cribbage. I don't know top, spades, but top games. Damn. Okay. Good oh, yeah. to know. Cribbage is a great game. Love cribbage. It's an easy game. Yeah. Once you get it. Yeah. And it's a great game to catch up on. Yeah. You can just, my really, really good friend here in town, who lives here in town, Monica, we play cribbage and we just catch up like for an hour, 90 minutes. Because yeah. you can just play the game. Yeah. And it's not one of those games that you have to be uber focused on. Just play and catch up. Mm-hmm. I love it, right? It's a great conversation game. I've been wanting, God, I know, I feel like I've been talking too long, so I will no. shut up soon. I've sure. been wanting like a game night. I'm that person who has this dream and vision in her head <laughs> of, and Emily's not a game person. So it was like, oh, if I had a partner who was like game, game oriented, she would, I think she would have a long time ago just been like, we're having a fucking game night. But she's not, I think she actually hates games. But I've wanted a game night or to go to a game night. And I'm not talking like a board where it's like Settlers of what is that game called? Catan. Catan or whatever the fuck. <laughs> just like cards, just yeah. different areas where people are playing cards and catching up and talking. Um, I would love to get a, a spades table going. Like, I have dreams, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I have dreams of connection. There are people in this town in particular who I would love to connect with more, but it's like, how do you do that as an adult? Because we don't have school. Mm-hmm. We're not really in classes together anymore as far as improv goes, right? Right. So you tend to just, and this isn't bad, it's just normal. Like, if Carrie and I lived next door to each other, I would, Carrie and I would be playing fucking cribbage all the time. I enjoy Carrie so much. I think she's so funny in that way that is like, that I think a lot of people miss. But, like, I enjoy her. I would love to spend more time with her. I'd love to spend more time with you. Yeah. You live with the fuck out I know. here. Yeah. As I was driving here, I was like, I'm not fucking coming to see Kyle again. Where the fuck does <laughs> this motherfucker live? Why do you live this far away? But, yeah. you know, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. I know. But also, like, I want, I would love to connect with more people. But I also understand everybody's busy. I'm super busy. Everybody's busy. But wouldn't it be great if we could all just like figure something out where once a month or twice a month, it's like, hey, this is the thing we're doing. If you can make it great. And it's just like three, four hours of catching up, eating, playing cards, whatever it is. I would love that. I would love someone to put that together. You're like, uh, yeah, motherfucker, we already do that. You're just not invited. <laughs> people think you're a dick and you're gonna make the game not fun <laughs> you just gave me a look that was like totally I was like uh we do that motherfucker <laughs> yeah but like you said people just think you're a dick and you're not invited <laughs> oh that's no, great do you play poker i don't okay my brother does yeah um because there is a poker a poker group going on. Yeah, I actually, I think I know about the. Po- okay. There's probably several poker groups probably. going on. Yeah. I I've heard of a poker group, but it, again, Kyle, I don't know the makeup of the poker group. 
I'm telling you right now, man, it's hard sometimes to go to events, to go to things when you feel like, oh, man, am I going to be the only black person there? Am I going to be the only person of color there? It's it's something that I think white people take for granted. It's weird. It's weird to be in a room full of white people sometimes. A lot of the time, most of the time, all of the time. It's weird. And especially in Portland, because everyone's just like, oh, yeah, the hikes, the, the, the <laughs> go to the beach, whatever it is. But it's like, yo. And I feel like some people are like, why does Chris have to bring up race all the time? Well, you figure it out, asshole. But like, <laughs> it's it's a lot of mental energy sometimes to... To work up to like, okay, because you're always, the back of your mind, which is how Broke Gravy formed, right? The back of your mind, you're always like, ugh, is someone going to say something dumb? Something a little off? And then what I think people don't think about is what are the other people going to do in that situation? So what is Kyle going to do? I'm using it as an example. Absolutely. What is Kyle going to do when uh, Johnny McCool guy makes a joke that is fucked up, right? Or like real tinted or dog whistle or whatever. Is Kyle just going to give me a look like, ooh, I heard that. Or is Kyle going to say something where it's, it's also like, could still make people uncomfortable, but, or do I have to fucking say something? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just tiring. And I don't think, Portland, in particular Portland Improv, in particular Portland white improvisers, really think about the amount of extra lifting that folks of color who are doing improv have to go through just to share the fucking stage with you in front of an audience that will be mostly white. So with Broke Gravy, I can almost fly easier because I've dropped the weights of concern. Oh my God, what if someone... I'm concerned with with everything. Here's my worst moment in improv as a black person. When a, when someone's like, I'll give a suggestion and they, they take a step forward in your group or whatever you're in and they're like, um, what's a time period in history? I'm always like, yo, that's some white shit right there. You're not even thinking. Because a motherfucker's always going to say the Civil War or whatever the fuck, right, around that time. And it's like, yo, the 50s, your 50s aren't my 50s. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And also, like, where are the black people at? Where are the people of color at in whatever it is the world that you're creating? Because I'll tell you this much. Improv, um, the default to improv is white. Everybody's white. Your character is white, Right. Your character's always white. And I had to figure out how am I going to tackle this so that motherfuckers know exactly who I am when I'm on stage. Because I'm not white. If I am white, you'll know it. You'll know if I'm doing a white dude. Right? You're playing another race? Yep. I'm a white dude. Because I can. Go fuck yourself. Can you play a black person, Kyle? No. No. Sorry. Like, Sorry. Sorry. No, I wouldn't even try. Well, let me rephrase that. Can you play a black person on stage? Yep. Should you play a black person on stage? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. You're not going to give me permission. <laughs> You're not getting shit from me. <laughs> but it's like, 
it's just like, yeah, there's so much, there's so much stuff going through. I've always wanted to kind of chat with um, Tolan mm. a little bit more. I really like him. Yes. Great. I really like him. And I like Yelena. Yeah. A lot. I think she's so fucking smart and talented. And I've told her that before. <laughs> I feel like she's looked at me like I was joking. But I'm 100% serious. Like, I have a lot of respect for her. And for Tolan. Tolan's volunteered. I'm not volunteered. I mean, Tolan has helped me out with the front porch sessions a lot. Oh, cool. He's a super talented um, photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's more, like, he's also like an actor, actor, right? And I'm just curious. All the bullshit that he must have to, like, just smile through because fucking people say stupid shit to him. You know what I mean? And I get it. I've been there, but I'm over it. It's rough. And I I mean, I don't think improv in Portland, like, you know, people put out their statements and whatnot. But I don't think you all white improvisers really understand, like, at all. And it's like, yeah, I'm just here to have fun. And guess what? So are we. So are we. Right? Yeah. And just be more aware. So when I play, I'm I'm I'm, I'm very aware of what I'm doing and what I'm setting up. And I'm not just delegating women to be my mom or my girlfriend or like whatever it is. Right? Um... I made, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expose myself now because I feel like it's a, a Chris is saying that he's like this person who never makes mistakes. Yeah. Jess Lee, you remember Jess Lee? Yeah. Jess Lee and I were doing this scene. She was so fun to play with. We were doing this scene <laughs> and she's a helicopter pilot. She's playing a helicopter pilot. And the scene was going on, boom, 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 boom. And I think I called her like Frank or Bert or whatever. And man, Jessly looked at me and she was like, um, I am not playing a dude. Like, I am a woman. And I was like, fucking of course you of course you are. Of course you are. But like, yeah, what was my default? Dude, right? Helicopter pilot's a Helicopter dude. Helicopter pilot is a dude, right? And you see it all the time if you really are paying attention. Down to like nurse, doctor, teachers, right? Professor, the difference. It's it's there. It's inside all of us. We just got a lot of work to do. And I think when you racialize it, it just gets more it gets more complex. And then I've heard some people do say, usually white dudes, well, I guess I just can't do anything in improv. And that <laughs> statement right there is like, oh, I yeah, yeah, bro. I guess if for you, you can't do racist shit and that's your wheelhouse, then yeah, I guess you can't do improv with me. I mean, you can do improv. But yeah, if that's like your shit. It's that effort thing. Yeah. it's They don't want to put effort into anything. Yeah. Just think a little bit harder. It'll make you a better improviser. It's made me a better improviser. Yeah. And I still, you know, drop the ball all the time. But you got to learn from it. Totally. Fuck improv, everybody. Yeah. But take improv classes. <laughs> <laughs> it'll change you. It'll truly change your life. But avoid large groups of improvisers. <laughs> especially 
at a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when those games start kicking in, ugh. Ugh. It's one thing I don't really miss is the post going out, post show going out. Yeah. Uh, big groups of people. Yeah. I love going out after a show with, you know, a handful of people. Yeah. A few people. Yeah. But that huge, like, gathering, yeah. I was just like, I can't. It's yeah. too, partly just my social anxiety and partly just, Me too. I just can't. Yeah. I can't keep up with it. Yeah. It's exhausting. I totally have social anxiety and it's exhausting to hang out with that many people, with that many, um, behaviors and energies yeah it's absolutely exhausting but i think again i think you got a real good crew of folks i think y'all really care about each other and you're there for each other right yeah and you know are you clicky no more than any other group of people is clicky right by definition clicky by definition right then you got a bunch of like you know i know the term's been hijacked recently with the you know, guns and all that, but you have a bunch of little lone wolves like myself out here just like creeping along. I just made myself sound horrible. <laughs> creeping along. Lone wolf, creeping, lone along. Wolf, creeping along. But like, I do think that is my default because it's how I um, re energize myself. I need to be by myself. But I do. Really enjoy the company of people. I sound like I'm fishing for some kind of invite. <laughs> yo, yes, you can invite, come play cards. Yo, invite me next time y'all hang out. But then the vibe of that is funny, right? Because I, I, I think you're wrong. I think I still do have a bit of a reputation of like, and maybe an asshole or whatever it is. So, because I have walked into spaces before and <laughs> it's gotten quiet. <laughs> It's gotten quiet where I'm like, oh, shit. God. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not nearly as serious as I might sound. I love to laugh. I love to joke around. But yes. there's also a lot of serious shit yeah. that you just have to deal with in life. So, And it's great that you can actually talk about it. Yeah. That's- yeah. That's the other thing. Like, don't do shit around me and be like, oh, well, why did you talk about that? Because it happened and it's real. And there's no rule that says I can't talk about, like, my experiences at TEDx, Portland. You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. It happened to me. It's mine. And you can't fucking control that. Right. Sorry. But on the flip side, that's how people are silent because they need that paycheck or whatever it is, whatever the hold is on someone, right? So who knows? Maybe TEDx owns the mortgage in my house and (laughs) they'll take it. But I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyways, how are you, Kyle? I'm good. Uh, I've been. Uh, I wanted to ask you about teaching and, and or school system stuff too, but I don't know how much you want to get into that because I know in the past you've tried to avoid talking about that on on podcasts. I mean, but you know, I'm substitute teaching now. I someone told me that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, here. Yeah, Tom okay. Cullen. Yeah, just because. How are you enjoying close. that? It's good. Uh, I, I enjoy it overall. Um, it's fulfilling. It's. Oh. It, it feels good to be doing it. Okay. Um, it's hard. It's yeah. very hard. Yeah. Very hard work. I had a, I was just going to tell you about this because I, I don't know exactly what you do in your, in your day job. With, Nobody with the does. Schools. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying okay. to figure that out still. It's okay. Cool. 11 years. I'm still trying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But I figured you'd probably be interested in this, this story. Okay. Uh, so this was from this week. I had um, a class on, on Wednesday at this school. Pretty tough class. It was pretty wild, chatty, 
tough to keep him under control. Okay. There was one kid in particular. He was the only black kid in in the class. Oh, been one, there. One of the only black kids in the school. Yeah, I've been there too as that kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was he was tough. He was tough to deal with. He was just out of control. Mm-hmm. You couldn't sit him anywhere without him, you know, disturbing other people around him. What age group? Uh, this is fifth grade. Oh, fifth grade? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good kid. Mm-hmm. Nice kid. Yeah. Wanted to talk to me about anime, you know, whatever. I'm not an anime watcher, but he was trying to get me into, you know, different yeah. things. Super cool kid. Yeah. There was instructions in the in the sub plans that was like, as with every kid, they always say this, if you're having trouble with them, call the office. They'll have them removed from the class. Interesting. And I was like, I especially do not want to do this yeah. to this young black man. Yeah. It's probably been done to him. Yeah. Several times. Yes. Which also probably uh, influenced the behaviors that you're seeing in him in that class. So anyways, go on. So make it through the day. He was tough. You know, whatever. Made it through. Friday I come back. I'm scheduled to work the room next door, uh-huh. which I had previously worked in a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Amazing class. The uh-huh. first day I had them follow directions. Do not talk when you're talking. Like yeah. Just the most respectful, great class of kids. Yeah. Fifth grade again. Super easy to deal with. And I was like, great, I'm coming back. Yeah. They're going to be fun. Have a great day on Friday. Towards the end of the day, one of my kids walks back into the room and goes, that class that I had on Wednesday yeah. had another sub. So their teacher was out all week with COVID. Oh, wow. So I had another sub. Yeah. Kid comes back into my room and goes, oh my God, the sub from the other class just left. I, I walked out to make sure there was actually somebody in the room because yeah. I took that as meaning like the sub just walked yeah, out yeah, and yeah. left. But I go over and, you know, kind of peek around the corner. There is the school counselor, another teacher, and the principal all in the room managing that class now. Sub has left for the day. It made me feel good that I made it all the way through Wednesday without, you know, without yeah. not only kicking anybody out of the class, but I stayed the whole day yeah, and yeah. managed to make it through. But I was like, holy shit, how, what could they have done to a substitute to get them to just bail on the class? Oh, I've seen subs bail all the oh, time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Teaching wow. is hard. Yes. I've never, ever wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. It is one of the hardest jobs and people don't respect that. And I respect it fully. Yeah. Fully. It is a hard gig. You have all of these personalities and you have to educate them? Fuck. Yeah. Teachers should make so much more money. So now add sub to that. Right. You have no relationship, no cred, right? And you just are like there. You're just a filler is how you're seen. Mm -hmm. You're seen that way by the school. You're seen that way by kids a lot of times. What you said that was interesting, Kyle, is the kid was trying to connect with you. So I wouldn't just gloss over that because I doubt he tries to connect with everybody. So what is it about you that he tried to connect with? Also, keep in mind, right, the class seems to be unruly. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think a lot of time education, public education, but education fucks up where they think one individual kid can like. One individual kid can absolutely influence a class. But also, kids aren't dumb. And yep. they make their own choices. Yep. So the class itself, that environment, seems to not be working. Is it because of the teacher? Has the teacher not established whatever is needed in that class for those kids to feel comfortable enough, safe to, safe enough, whatever it is, to engage in their learning environment, right? Um, here's the thing that I've learned about watching great teachers. You can have, quote-unquote, order and things set up, 
and scaffold how learning is done. But if those kids don't trust you, appreciate you, know that you have their backs, know that you're there for the right reasons, you're never going to have the kind of classroom that you can have. And that's on adults a lot of the time. It sounds like that's a class where that's not been established, right? And unfortunately, my guess is fifth grader. Think about that. We're talking about a fifth grader. Only black kid in the class. One of what? Of the whole school? Maybe. I mean, there are very few. Very few. Yeah. Already feeling some kind of way. Don't know what's going on in his personal life. Don't need to. Just that right there. Who knows what's happening, what kids are saying to him, whispering to him. Who knows how teachers are looking at him, right? All of this shit being just piled on to a fifth grade kid who, yeah, maybe having issues wherever you place him, but I would still highlight to you, oh, he tried to connect with you on anime. Don't just shake, don't be like, don't brush that off as like just a one-off. Like something about you, this kid wanted to connect. And the really, really great teachers that I've seen are able to connect with their, with all of their kids, even the kids they don't like, right? I don't, you don't have to, <laughs> saying, oh, I'm going to like every kid, that's so unrealistic, right? Right? Personalities are just different, and sometimes kids are just tough, um, but they're kids, and we never know what's going on at home. Even the kids who are great and who don't quote unquote need anything. Man, if you really start paying attention to kids, every kid wants to feel like heard, understood, and like they matter and like their voice matters. Every single one of them, right? Administration can sometimes discount a lot of things that are happening and just focus on what they see. That's that black kid. Every class this black kid is in, Something's going on. What is he doing? What did he do? Right? Instead of like, oh, what happened to you? Right? That's like, I think that's a book with Oprah Winfrey and some other dude. What happened to you? But it is. What happened to you? Oh, was something happened to you in this class? How are you doing? What's going on? When I've subbed, because I've been forced to sub, because, like, you know, we're hurting. We need subs everywhere, not just yes, Portland, right. everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, I don't even, unless it's a test or whatever or something where kids, I'm just trying to connect straight up, straight up, especially if I got to come back. Yo, what's up? Put your books down. What's going on? My name is Mr. Williams or Chris. Literally don't care. You can call me either one. I'm not that person who's like, you will call me Mr. Yeah. Whatever. Hate that. But also, I would say a lot of teachers who, who I've seen struggle in the 11 years that I've been working in public schools are the ones who cannot um, understand that you were not just hired to teach math or language skills or whatever. You were, at, you were also hired to um, help raise these kids, not at home, but to raise them into like adults contributing adults and a lot of teachers bring in their own shit right a lot of teachers don't know how to work with um non-traditional kids a lot of teachers don't know how to work with kids that aren't white don't know how to so so if a black boy kind of like you say something to this kid and he like rolls his eyes 
What? That was aggressive or whatever it is, right? I've seen this yeah. happen. And I'm just sitting there from my perspective. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You said some wild shit and you got an eye roll as you should have. Right. You got an eye roll. That's all it was. So why are you now getting positional and creating this whole other issue? A whole nother issue now is happening. And disproportionate discipline is real. Because when uh, Johnny McLittle White Kid did his thing, you were like, Johnny, are you okay? What's going on? Do you need to take a walk and then come back? Okay. Right? Right. right. But with Homeboy... Get out. Yeah. I'm calling the principal. You always, you always, right? Oh, this kid doesn't feel welcome in your class. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, fuck you. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Why would I, why would I be cool with you? You're not cool with me. Yeah. That shit happens all the time. Yeah. You know, teaching is hard. Kidding is hard. Being a kid today is hard fifth grader dude Mm -hmm. you said this fifth grade class is wilding out Mm -hmm. that's young that's young to be wilding out shit i don't know how you do it even subbing i would never sub intentionally (laughs) like you gotta force me to sub yeah that's not my thing i'm realizing as we're talking about this how many notes i've gotten in the sub notes of like this kid is a problem this kid is right this kid is a problem and i in a way that's good information to yeah. know, oh, yeah. you know that they have certain behavioral issues or that they need this or this. Yeah. And a lot of the notes to be fair are, are positioned in a way that's this child needs this thing to mm-hmm. function through the day yeah. make sure they get it. Great. It's also really sad that that is my first impression of them yeah. before I even meet them in the yeah. morning is that I have already read that this boy is a problem or, yep. and so my mind then is defensive right away and not, thinking about how can I connect with this kid. Yeah. I mean, I can now take that, and and thank you for saying that, I can take that even deeper into this going, when I get the child that is listed as the problem, mm-hmm. know that I re- I just need to double down on connecting to them. Yeah. That's what it really means. Yeah. He did come up to me on Friday. Um, so, you know, I taught him Wednesday. Friday on the playground, he comes up to me, and he goes, did you watch that anime yet? And I go, I didn't. I have been a super busy week. <laughs> And I was like, I'm going to. So he remembered. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to try to watch it this weekend. And I am going to try to watch something. Because I go back to that school often. I'll see him. What's the anime? I wish I could remember what. uh, He said One Piece was one of them. And then there was. um, He said Naruto. Okay. Which I know I'm familiar with that one. So imagine now, Kyle, what will happen? Because it's the last week of school, I think. Yeah, I think they've got two more. Okay. So if you go back there, you see him. Yo, I watched Naruto. This is the episode. Thanks. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. You're going to make that dude's yeah. day. Yeah. You're going to make his day. And I'm excited to do that. Yeah. And so the second part of him coming up to me, he goes, he just, you know, we talked anime for a second and then he said something like, so was I a bad kid or something along those lines? Wow. And I was like, no, you're not bad. I was like, you talk a lot when I'm trying to talk, but if you didn't do that as much, we'd be even better friends than we are. And he's like, we're friends. It like <laughs> blew his mind. That's that sad, I said dude. That. That's sad as fuck. Yeah. And then he ran off and went and played. Yeah. That's sad as fuck. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. There's so much clear history behind that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Man, is this pretty much so? It's pretty much an all white school. Uh, it's a good mix of Latinx white. Okay, I would say. Okay, I don't know. That's just kind of the demographic out yeah. here. Yeah, just there aren't there are not a lot of black yeah families out here. Yeah. As I was driving here, I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back out here. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, it's, you know, it's fine out yeah. here, but... But yeah, what you just said was so sad. It's so sad. Kids in general are already feeling isolated. But then, like, oh, God. You got no one that looks like you. You're not being taught by anyone that looks like you. You're probably... You're getting... All the attention that's negative, am I a bad kid? Fifth grader. Thinks he is. And I want, because he's been told that. Yeah. By adults at that school, guarantee you 100%. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And probably been past third grade, fourth grade. Oh, you have so-and-so next year, right? So your note, you got your sub plans. Now imagine that just following that kid all the way up. And his siblings. If he has siblings. Mm-hmm. Are you so-and-so's brother? Oh. Well, he wasn't. And as much as I respect teachers and understand the game is hard, you chose it. Just like the police. You chose it. Right? No one forced you. You chose it. So... Start figuring some stuff out about yourself, right? Why do I only get along with white kids? Why do I only feel like I can teach white kids? Or why do I only feel like I can teach the kids that, like, learn this certain way? That behave. Yeah, that behave, right? Yeah. Jesus. Teaching is hard. Yeah. So the other the other hard element I dealt oh, with on Jesus Friday. Jesus Christ, okay. <laughs> Friday class, really good class, again. I have them, they have PE early in the morning, like 9, 30, 10. So I drop them off at PE, go do my prep time, come back to pick them up. Fifth grade again? Fifth grade, still fifth grade. Okay. I walk in, they're all lining up to get ready to leave PE. And this little boy, white boy, comes up and he's kind of near the front of the line and he's, you know, agitated. And he's complaining about some other people, some other kids in the class. Uh And, and I was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. You know, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it, which is always my, you know, what I say to them. Cause yeah. I can't act on yeah. you know, what I haven't been around for, but you know, I'll keep an eye out. I genuinely will. Yeah. If it happens again, just please come let me know. And he goes, or you could just shoot them. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're not going to say that. We're going to find a more positive way to deal with something. How did he say it? Like he was joking. I, it was hard to tell. Jesus. It was a... I wanted to assume it was a joke, or you but just it, shoot them. But just even saying it at all, I was like, "Yee." So, <sighs> kind of took that back to the class and was like, "Okay, I'm gonna keep that in my mind. I I, I might say something to somebody if I cross paths with the principal or something. Just uh, be like, you should absolutely write that down. And yeah, pass that one on. And I was like, I'll I'll make sure somebody yeah. knows about. It. I just have to figure out how to approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. you got to document that one. And. End of the day comes. They're doing an art project, and three moms have come in to help the class do painting. Uh-huh. Really cool, really sweet. I walk by him at one point and just happen to hear, overhear this something about I could have a gun in my backpack right now 
and do this. And he reaches in, like, his backpack's open, hanging on the back of his chair. He pretends, you were ready to talk. You were ready to knock a kid down. Like, yes. Go. Yeah, I was like, he kind of reaches towards his backpack, and I kind of stopped. And then he does, like, a finger gun to the kid next to him who he's talking to and does, like, a bang noise. And I went, all right. I can't not, I gotta, I, I can't just let somebody know later. I yeah. need to let somebody know yeah, now. Yeah, 100%. Right now. Yeah. So I go over and I call the office. Nobody answers. Of course not. <laughs> Hang up, walk around for a few more minutes. I'm nervous because I'm like, how I don't know how I'm handling this or what is going to happen. I don't want him being, think, and it's going through my mind, if this kid is dangerous, I don't want him thinking I ratted him out and now he's going to come <laughs> after me, you know. I ratted out a fifth grader. But call the office again, don't answer again. And now we've got that class next door with the principal, the counselor, and the other teacher Uh taking over. And I walk out there and just happen to get the principal walking out. And I was like, hey, need to talk to you. I got a situation. She's like, sure, what's up? I tell her the whole story. And she's like, oh, my God. Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, uh, let me give me just a second. She pulls the counselor out of the, the other room. And I repeat the story to her. And she's like, okay, I'll take care of it right now. So she pulls him out of the room and they have a talk and then he comes back to the room and they finish out the day. And Does he look at you and make that, that motion of like a slit of your throat? Right. Got you, motherfucker, snitch. I, I know. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. No, it's all right. Uh, he, uh, he sits back down and I was kind of hovering near him just to keep an eye and ear out. And I just heard him say something to the other. I think the other kid must have said, what was that about? Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, they needed to talk to me about a dumb joke I made. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of left him alone after that. You know, I still kept an eye and an ear for him, but didn't get anything more in the next hour from yeah. him. And then it got into thinking like, well, white boy made this gun reference, made this threat. Yeah. And got pulled out of the class and put right back in. Yeah. I wonder if that's the end of it. And for the most part, he is probably well behaved from what I know. Yeah. Not, a, not an attention grabber. Yeah. He's going to just go on. As yeah. normal. Black boy rolls his eyes. He's out of school for three days. Right. Out of school for three days, and a teacher can be like, it was threatening. Right. I felt threatened. I felt threatened. From an eye roll. Right. But you got little Johnny White Boy over here who's talking about shooting motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah, man. What you just described is a classic. Classic, yo. People will bend over backwards to work with a little white boy that is like idealizing violence bend over backwards you didn't mean that did you yo a little black boy a little first grader could be like i'm gonna punch you and knock your head off and i'm so angry i wish you would die (gasps) what i feel threatened i can't teach this kid i want them out of my class i want them removed dude happens all the time and motherfuckers don't see that as a racialized problem until you bring it up and you're like specifically like do you not see this pretending like there's a gun in his bag keep in mind that did the shootings happen uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so that's friday happened, so we're right? a, a week and a, we're 10 days out from right? the Valdi shooting. shoot right so yeah. it's probably in the air yep. in the atmosphere so he's picking up on that right yep. the way that violence is just kind of pumped into us as little kids not making excuse little yeah. boys so there's all of that but there's also that creep factor in there right and 
a little talking to probably isn't enough. You got to go deeper. I'm not saying that kids should be suspended, but I'm also saying that black boy damn well shouldn't have been suspended or feel like he's a bad kid. He didn't say shit about guns to you, I'm assuming. No, or anything no, like that, no. right? No, like I said, he was super nice kid. Right, just Loved chatty, yeah. talking, yeah, hard to settle down, right? Yeah. All of that. No gun talk. But he's asking you if I'm a bad kid. Guarantee you that white kid doesn't come up to you and ask you, am I a bad kid? Nope. Because I want it to... Uh, I mean, damn, dude. That's some real shit right there. This is the same amount of care people need to show for these non-white little kids that are fucking up and doing stupid kid shit. Right? right. You gotta have that same level of fucking care. Regardless... If their parents are involved or whatever, like have that same level of concern and care. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But it's usually just a quick fix of you're out of here. And then you bring them back and you don't really do anything like restoration, nothing. Don't do that again. Yep. You're a bad kid. I guarantee you someone in that school called that kid bad. You're bad. You're just a bad kid. And he internalized it because he asked you that question. That's wild. And now you created a little bit of space in his head when you said one no and then you said friends. So imagine you create this little bit of light in there that he's still going to remember. And now if you can go back in there and be like, hey, I took your suggestion and I enjoyed this thing you introduced me to something new and i enjoyed it thank you i wonder how many adults have said thank you to that kid not many you might blow his mind right and then to be real with you he might get real annoying and want to always be by you hey rah, 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 and then give you all these suggestions but fuck it that's awesome oh i'll take that as part of my job absolutely that's awesome <sighs> anyways i'm sorry kyle i feel like i've been here three years that's good. My bad. Don't ever apologize. I have one more question for you. Yeah, do it up. That we always do on this. And mm-hmm. that is to ask after everything we've talked about and how much I've revealed about myself and how you've told me <laughs> about you. Are, are we still friends, Chris? Are we still friends? The funny thing about the time, like, are we still friends? It makes it sound like we had a falling out. Yeah. And then, like, now we're coming back together. Right? Uh, I would say... Of course we're still friends because you are that unique kind of dude. So there's two things happening. You're a dude, which we already know. I'm not. It's not my forte. I'm not like, what does forte mean? I'm using words I don't know. No, no, you're you're used to it, right? Okay, anyways. um, It's not my jam. And on top of that, like, you're a white dude. I love saying white that way sometimes, by the way. (laughs) Um, But what I like about you, appreciate about you, respect about you... And I'm sure people have already told you this, but like your sincerity is alarming, (laughs) (laughs) but it's real. And that's what I appreciate. It's not, it's not bullshit, right? I told you, I fucking know predators, man. Again, not, not genderizing that at all. But I know predators. I just know them. I've been around them. I grew up with them in my own world and school and all of that. Like, I know a predator when I see one. And that is just not you. Um, 
That's the greatest compliment anybody's ever given. <laughs> You're not a predator. <laughs> and I also think there's a there's a reason why you have like the kinds of friends that you do, right? I mean, your crew, they don't fuck around. No, they don't put up with shit. No. Then that's great. Yeah. So that tells you something. And I think you're interested. I think you're also interested in building community and just like the work you're doing and the thoughts that you had um, with that boy that you were talking to me about. Like all of that is just like, yeah, of course, that's Kyle. That's like who you are. So, of course, we're friends. We're friends that don't see each other very often. I mean, because you live way the fuck out here. <laughs> but, you know, when we do see each other, I think obviously we catch up but it would be fun to hang out it'd be fun like if we're if you're actually out and i'm going out then to hang out i think that'd be great but yeah even just go out and if if we end up in a party situation a post show a situation i'll bring a cribbage board and we'll just sit in the corner and play cribbage hell yeah hell yeah yeah but the short answer yes and i hope everybody who's been on this and who will be on this will also say yes but I really want to hear the person that says no and why. I, yeah, me too. I'm just waiting. That's what I'm waiting for. That's yeah. the whole purpose of this. Yeah. I guess one little bonus thing. You know you started the whole otter thing. Yeah. 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 Cause, but it was so simple. It was. It was It was a maestro show. Oh. And, I, and I was I was playing an otter. Yeah, you did it really well. And you were like, that's how you do the animal game. I'm calling you otter from now on. So I just want to get that on the record for everybody who asks where that comes Wait, from. Wait, do people that... still call you Otter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What a great nickname. So you started it, so I just wanted to give the world the background to where that came from, because I get asked all the time where it came from, and I'm like, Chris Williams did it. <laughs> Thanks so much to our friend Chris for sitting down with me today. If you want to become better friends with Chris, find him at frontporchsessions.com and brokegravy.com. Are We Still Friends is produced and edited by me, Kyle Coleman. Music provided by our friend Jack Martin. Visit arewestillfriends.com to find more interviews with your favorite or new friends.